And so when we talk about, you know, how the gut relates to the brain, um, what research has really shown is that, you know, depending on how our gut is working and depending on, you know, the balance of those bacteria that we have in our gut, this can really impact our mental health. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. This is Chelsea. And this is Olivia. And this is the CWC Talks podcast. Today we're talking with Susanna Folsom. She's a registered dietitian, and I really enjoyed our conversation with her. We talked a lot about nutrition and mental health and brain health and gut health, and she had a a lot of great things to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there is a lot of things that I learned. We both learned from this podcast, and I think a lot of tangible takeaways I think listening to this podcast, please just keep in mind, we we do talk about nutrition and the impact of what we're eating on our mental health. Um, We don't necessarily dive into issues like disordered eating and body image concerns. So just want listeners to be aware of that. So Olivia, um, thinking about this topic, Are there things that you've noticed in terms of food and how you're feeling about (laughs) and how it makes me feel? (laughs) (laughs) Are there things that you've noticed about what you eat and how you're feeling? Yeah, definitely. I notice that when I eat oranges, that it gives me a little bit of a boost. I think part of it has to do with that orange smell mm-hmm. um, that's been known to to kind of give your mood a boost. I, I read recently about aromatherapy and the smell of citrus is really invigorating. Um, so I try to, you know, have like a small orange every day. Um, another thing is actually drinking water is huge for me. Like I know that I'm not thinking as clearly as I should if I don't have enough water, you know? And so it's a great, it's a great reminder to always have my water bottle full of water, ready to go for me to sip, you know, throughout my day. Yes. Hydration is so important. And I know that I'm, I'm always chasing that. Just like, (laughs) let me see it. I, I need to drink more water every day, Mm -hmm. but it does make a really huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, um, I feel like this has taken me a lot of years and a lot of work, but I feel like I've come to the point where I um, have, you know, what's helped me the most is not putting moral values or judgments on what I'm eating and like really listening to my body and what it needs. And I, I think, you know, I, I know I feel really good when I eat lots of fruits and vegetables and things like that. 
Um, but then also some days what I need and what I want is maybe a pizza or a cookie or something like that. And I think, um, just that's equally as valid, but, um, and you know, neither thing is bad or good. Um, but just like really listening to my body and, you know, still making sure that I'm getting, you know, a a decent amount of fruits and vegetables in there that like, that really does make me feel better, but it's because it makes me feel better is why I'm eating it. Right. And And that's a big salad. Yeah. No, that's okay. No, I was going to say, Susanna kind of stressed the importance of that, Mm -hmm. you know, of you can still have the cakes and cookies and and whatever. It's just, it's about balance and it's about um, just listening to yourself Mm -hmm. and taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like. So we hope you guys enjoy the show today. Today, we're talking to Susanna Folsom. She is a registered dietitian, and she'll be talking to us about nutrition and how it intersects with mental health. Hi, Susanna. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and and what, what you do. Yeah. So like you said, I am a registered dietitian. Um, so I'll give a little bit of background. Um, I have been in Florida for a while now, but I am originally from Tennessee. I, um, did my undergrad, got my bachelor's in dietetics from Florida state university. And then I switched sides a little bit and I came over to the university of Florida to get my master's degree in nutritional science. And during the last two years, I completed my dietetic internship And so I did all that was needed, and I am now a dietitian. I currently work um, at UF Health Shands, um, the medical center here, as an inpatient clinical dietitian. So I see all kinds of patients um, with all kinds of illnesses, injuries, and um, it's very interesting. There's never a dull moment. Um, And I, yeah, I love every single minute of it, and nutrition is my passion. So yeah, it's been great. How did you know you wanted to get into nutrition? That's a good question. I, I like to say that nutrition or food, I guess I should say, has always been a huge part of my life. Like ever since a really young age, you know, food was really big in my family. I was always in the kitchen with my mom doing new recipes and seeing how all kinds of different foods worked together to form a final product that was always of interest to me. And then as I started to get older, taking science classes, I really became fascinated with the human body. And then, you know, kind of learning how food affects the body, you know, I just started thinking more and more about it. It was very, very interesting to me, especially throughout high school. And then I learned that dietetics was something you could major in. I had no idea. And it was just the perfect combination. So since then, I mean, since day one of starting school, starting college and studying dietetics, I have loved every single minute of it. Just learning how nutrition is such a vital part of our health as human beings and how it affects every single part of us. Um, yeah, there's never been a moment where I, I doubted my career choice. It's, it's just been so great. And nutrition is just something that's so important for everybody to know. So to get to teach people about that is just, it's such a privilege. I, I heard you use the words nutrition and diet, dietitian, dietetics. <laughs> um, I, and I know I've worked with a lot of students that might be interested in seeing a dietitian or a nutritionist. And mm-hmm. I, I've... 
I know I get those things mixed up a little bit. So I'm wondering if you could clarify what are the differences between that, between being a nutritionist and a dietitian? I am so glad you asked that question. <laughs> um, so there is a huge difference between the two, right? So a nutritionist honestly could be anybody walking on the street saying that they're a nutritionist, but they could have zero credentials and they could just be handing out meal plans. So a nutritionist, that is, that is not the, the term you want to be looking for if you are looking to get some help with learning about nutrition. A dietitian, so someone like me, someone who has that RD credential, that is someone who has gone through extensive schooling, who has you know, the licensure to practice nutrition counseling, all of that. A dietitian is someone who has the required knowledge to help you with those problems. So yes, for anyone who's wanting to, you know, learn about nutrition, get help with whatever condition they may have, or just general nutrition info, I definitely would recommend looking for someone who is a dietitian, not just for the term nutritionist, because yeah, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. So I guess, like kind of piggybacking off of that, um, can you talk a little bit about maybe some reasons that someone might want to seek um, talking to a dietitian and kind of some of the ways they could help someone that might be a student? Yeah, absolutely. So dietitians can do all, all sorts of things. They can help with all sorts of problems. So the majority of dietitians, I would say, um, are able to address um, different or various medical conditions. So, you know, if you have diabetes or if you have heart disease, things like this, you know, those common illnesses that we do see, especially here in the U.S., um, dietitians can really help people who have these conditions because those do cause major life changes. So dietitians can help kind of walk you through what that looks like, ways you can change how you're eating to better manage um, the symptoms, better manage the effects that these conditions um, or the toll they're taking on your body. Um, that's primarily what dietitians do, but that kind of spans into all kinds of sectors. So, you know, for eating disorders, for example, there are dietitians that specialize in helping people who are dealing with body image um, problems and kind of working with them to have a healthy relationship with food. Or there are dietitians that work with athletes, you know, talking with them about what they need to be eating in order to perform at their best and highest level. Um, and then, you know, you have dietitians that are there to just kind of walk with you through, okay, I just want to eat healthy. What should I be doing? Um, what are some practical ways I can take those steps? And UF actually has a few dietitians that are available to students. You know, you don't have to have any certain condition or anything like that. Um, you can make an appointment, you can go see them and they will talk through some of those things with you. So it's really awesome that we do have some dietitians on the campus that are available to students um, because I do think it's a necessary resource for sure. Yeah, and is that through the Student Healthcare Center? So there is one through there and then there's also okay. one through Rec Sports as well. Okay. Um, and all that information is on their website. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's good to know. I think that's one of those resources that as a student, you might not know where to go or like right. be oblivious that you could like easily use that resource here. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. We're very lucky to have that. And I know that a lot of students, you know, especially when they're coming from home, they struggle with 
I'm not eating the greatest things Mm -hmm. or I live in a dorm and I don't have access to my own kitchen or I have to share a kitchen with others. What do you think would be some helpful ideas for students um, just to kind of get started on this path? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Because, yeah, it's definitely, it's very hard when you come to college and you're on your own for the first time. You know, you probably don't have the biggest budget ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just learning how to eat on your own. You now have the freedom to make all of your food choices. And so that can be a good thing, but it can also be a detrimental thing at times, you know, just with depending on what your options are. You know, if you are only opting for, you know, unhealthy things, which a lot of times, you know, those things are the easiest. So, some students might be wanting more of those kinds of foods. And then, um, you know, also too, with money, wanting to say someone's wanting to buy healthy foods, but feels like they can't afford them, they're too expensive. You know, I would say that there definitely are ways to, you know, practice good nutrition and eat um, in a healthy way, where you're not going to blow your budget in ways that are easy. And so some of those things could be, you know, going to the grocery store, you know, having what your budget is, and kind of thinking, okay, how am I eating now? What are a few things that I could change where I'm going to be eating a few more nutritious things, you know, because I feel like it's, it's definitely overwhelming, especially as a student to try to change a gazillion things all at once, right? Like if you can change one thing that you're doing, even if it's just, okay, I'm going to have two servings of vegetables at lunch instead of none, you know, something as simple as that, you know, that makes a huge difference. Um, for your health, you know, and I know it doesn't seem like it, but it truly does. And so I would say, just, you know, starting to make those, those little changes where you're kind of thinking about what you're actually eating, and kind of thinking, okay, what I'm eating is going to affect how I function. And so finding ways that are easy and affordable to do that, um, it definitely is a process, but it's something that you just have to be mindful about. Um, And I've talked to several college students myself, and it really is just kind of a step by step thing, like make one change here, okay, you've done that, you're practicing that, and I'll make another change here. So it's definitely something that is, that should be done in steps, because if not, it can be very overwhelming. So, so yeah, that's probably what I would say for that. Great. I know I was first introduced to you when you um, held a webinar on nutrition and how it impacts mental health. And so I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit about that and what what was it about mental health that kind of drew you to that topic? Yeah, so so I that presentation was during my internship that I was finishing up back in the spring. And during that time, I was actually doing a four-week rotation with Gator Care Wellness. Um, and they um, do all kinds of stuff for the UF Health employees. They run all kinds of wellness programs. They're a really great organization. And at the time, it was Mental Health Awareness Month. And so my preceptor, she had actually just come to me and was like, hey, I would really love if you could just put together a presentation on nutrition and how it affects mental health. And, you know, mental health, when you say that, it's a very broad term. So at the time, I was a little overwhelmed. I was like, all right, great. I will see what I can find. And so I started doing some research, really trying to see if I could narrow it down on what I was going to be talking about. And so, you know, when it comes to nutrition, mental health, everything that I found, there was so much. But I noticed a pattern. I noticed that a lot of the research that has been done and is still being done has to do with nutrition and its effect on depression and anxiety. And I mean, those are two of the most common mental health conditions that people face. Mm -hmm. And a lot of college students face that too. 
And so I found that very interesting because, you know, those two common things, if nutrition can make a difference in those, you know, that's awesome. That's so valuable for people to know. So I kind of honed in on those things as my main topics of discussion for that presentation. Um, and it was, yeah, it was very interesting just reading about those things and all the research that is continuing to come out about how nutrition affects them even now, a few days ago, you know? So, so yeah, that's kind of how I decided to do that. And it ended up being great because I feel like, you know, when talking about those things, I feel like you're able to reach a lot of people because so many people deal with those things again, even to maybe a lesser degree, a higher degree, but I think it's something that is very valuable to know. So yeah, it was very, very informative. And I, I learned a lot that I still think about to this day. So what were some of your findings? Like what, what types of food impact your uh, symptoms of anxiety or symptoms of depression? Mm, Yeah. So, so again, I would say, man, if I talked about every single little thing I found that would take days and days and days. So (laughs) I, I really had to kind of narrow it down with some major things that I found. And so And again, I do want to preface by saying, you know, nutrition in and of itself cannot treat these conditions alone. You know, it it, it needs to be something that's taken alongside, you know, getting the help that is needed from a licensed mental health professional. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, what you eat can impact, you know, your mental health and its onset um, and also just symptoms you may experience. So, so yeah, just wanted to note that. But, um, but yeah, I would say when I was kind of reading about um, depression and anxiety and things that you um, maybe should eat, maybe shouldn't eat as much of, um, there were some major, um, topics that I found. And one of those being, um, refined sugar, that was a major, um, topic of research that I kept kind of finding over and over again. Um, so when I say refined sugar, that basically means, um, the sugar that doesn't occur naturally in foods, right? So, you know, if you buy something from the store or dessert or something, you know, it's going to have a lot of refined sugar in that but fruit, for example, that's natural sugar. So that's kind of what that difference is. That's what I mean when I use that term. Um, And as we're all kind of aware, you know, especially the US alone, our sugar intake is pretty high. And that's something that's kind of gotten worse. Um, And it's interesting, I, I did find a lot of research showing that, you know, and again, more research is needed on these topics to really solidify exactly what we need to be doing when it comes to this. But Um, the higher refined sugar intake we have, um, the more at risk we are for things um, regarding mental health. So things like depression, anxiety. So, and a lot of that too goes into, you know, if you're following a healthy diet pattern, you know, if you're not eating huge amounts of refined sugar, you know, you're doing what you need to be doing. But, you know, for people that are consuming huge amounts, and again, I wish we had a definitive number on what that amount is, um, Mm -hmm there does seem to be certain risk factors with that. Um, So that was very interesting. So I definitely would encourage everyone to kind of evaluate, um, you know, think about what you eat during the day, how much of this refined sugar are you consuming and maybe trying to think of ways that, you know, you could maybe cut down on that. You know, if you have a bunch of soda through the day, just maybe switching some of that to water, you know, that even makes a huge difference. So very interesting. That was one of the, the major things that I found. And then, something else that I found very interesting um, when it comes to our brains and our brain health, right? There is a nutrient that, and there are several nutrients that have been linked to brain health, promoting healthy brain function. Um, One of these is omega-3 fatty acids. And so I'm sure you've heard of omega-3s. These are a compound that are in a lot of foods that we eat 
and they're needed for um, just our overall nervous system function. Um, they help our cardiovascular health, our heart health, um, and they can help kind of um, lower inflammation. So kind of help with that. They're called an anti-inflammatory. So they kind of help with that response. Um, and a lot of research has shown that this is something that's really needed for our brains. Our brains really need this to function well and for our mental health as well. Um, we can really benefit from this. Um, there's been a lot of research that's kind of come out um, on omega-3s and how they have kind of started to be used for um, treatments for things like depression. They've been shown to kind of lower the onset and kind of help with those symptoms for people that are really dealing with all kinds of symptoms that come with depression. Um, there's just been a lot also too showing that if people are not consuming enough of these omega-3s, then this could predispose them potentially to developing um, depression and or anxiety later on. Um, so that was also very interesting because these two things, refined sugar and omega-3s, so those are things that, you know, are easily found in our diets and with refined sugar, you know, there's things we can do to lower that. But then with omega-3s, there's a way we can also increase the amount that we're eating. So, you know, if these compounds occur in foods like fatty fish, like salmon, they're in olive oil, they're in seeds, they're in nuts, they're in avocados, they're in so many foods. Um, so, you know, even just eating a few more of these foods um, throughout the day, a few times a week, you know, that's a great way to increase um, the amount of omega-3s you're getting. Um, so that's something, you know, easy that can be done to kind of promote that brain health because, you know, I think it's easily forgotten too that the brain is an organ just like all of our other organs, right? You know, we eat um, and we think about how is it going to affect our stomach? How is it going to affect our heart? How is it going to affect, you know, our glucose levels? You know, and I think it's important to, I feel like we oftentimes forget that what we eat does also affect our brain. So I think it's really important to remember that what we eat is going to impact, you know, the ability that we have to function um, based on how our brain is working. Um, so we want to be doing what we can to, you know, really be eating and giving our brain what it needs to function at its highest capacity. So. Yeah, I think sometimes, especially in Western culture, we, we don't talk enough about how the brain and mental health is like interrelated to physical mm -hmm. health and that, mm -hmm like really internalizing the brain is part of the body and how our brain is functioning is going to infect affect our mental health and, right. you know, vice versa. Um, there was, there is something that um, when we um, chatted before you, you were talking a little bit about the um, relationship between gut health and brain health. And that's something I'm really excited to hear more about because I I've heard, you know, a bit about that before and it's just like really interesting and I've heard people say like the gut is like the second brain and um kind of stuff like that so I am curious if you could share more about that yes so this is honestly one of my favorite things to talk about because it's so interesting and yeah what you're talking about the gut brain relationship this is something um, that more and more scientists are researching and more especially over the last few years so much has come um, to light in regards to how the brain and gut really work together. Um, and a term that's often used to kind of describe this, it's called the gut brain axis. And so basically this is just referring to how they kind of interact with each other um, in ways that we're not even aware of, right? So, you know, when we, when we use the term gut health, this is basically referring to our gut and how it functions. And it's also referring to the microorganisms. So the bacteria, 
that live in our gut that populate it um, because there are a lot of bacteria that we need to have in our guts um, in order to have good intestinal function. Um, and that promotes overall good health, that promotes good immune system function. There are so many benefits um, to having, you know, a good gut microbiota. That's kind of the term to talk about all those little tiny organisms that are in there. Um, and so when we talk about, you know, how the gut relates to the brain, um, what research has really shown is that, you know, depending on how our gut is working and depending on, you know, the balance of those bacteria that we have in our gut, this can really impact our mental health. Um, and so this interrelationship, you know, the brain can impact the gut and the gut can also impact the brain. So, so for example, you know, when it comes to our brains and what's going on, how it impacts our gut, you know, if we have stuff going on in our brains, this can influence, you know, potential weight gain. Um, you know, it's maybe awkward to talk about when it comes to things like our bowel movements, there's a huge neurological side of that, you know, that really can influence um, our intestinal function. But then kind of on the flip side, you know, with our gut, depending on what's going on in that, um, this could influence our mood, this can influence our behavior, if there are any imbalances. And one of the biggest things that we have found, especially in my research and things that are coming out, because more and more research is showing this, this can also influence the onset or worsening of depression and anxiety. So that kind of shows that the gut can, if you are fostering a good gut environment, this really can influence your brain health and it can influence, you know, the management um, of things like depression and anxiety. And it's kind of encouraging because there do seem to be things that you can do to improve your gut health and, you know, hopefully improve your brain health as well. Can you give us some examples as to the different things that we could eat that would help um, our gut health? Yes. So some major things that, you know, there are so many things that we can do for our guts um, and ways that we can eat to promote this good um, environment inside our guts for these bacteria to kind of thrive. Um, so one of these things that we can do, I'm sure everyone has heard of the magic of fiber, right? Fiber is very important. It's a very important part of our diets. And the reason for this is because fiber is something that helps kind of you know, it does do things that like keep us regular and keep things moving, help us have an overall healthy digestive system. Um, and when it comes to fiber, something that a term you may also have heard is a prebiotic. If you haven't heard of that, it's totally fine because normally, you know, we just say fiber, we don't really think of prebiotic. Um, so what this term really just means is just naturally occurring, non-digestible parts of food um, that are linked to promoting the growth of bacteria. So when you eat these things, you know, they go through your system, they're in your gut, you don't completely digest them. And so they kind of serve as food for these bacteria. And by having this in your gut, this really does help promote the growth of these bacteria. And it does foster that good environment that we want. Mm -hmm. um, because we again, we do want the good bacteria, there's bad bacteria that we could have, we don't want that we want to be promoting the growth mm -hmm. of the good ones. So yeah, the prebiotics, these are in all kinds of foods that we eat. So they're in a lot of fruits, they're in a lot of vegetables, like asparagus and artichokes and onions. Um, they're in whole grains as well. Whole grains have huge amounts um, of these prebiotics. So those are just some examples um, of the foods that we can be eating um, to really promote good gut function. And also those foods, you know, those easily occur in our diets every day. And that's just part of eating a healthy diet in general. So, you know, if you're doing these things, if you're having fruits and vegetables every day, if you're trying to have more whole grains instead of more of those refined starch products, you know, you, you are doing things that you should be doing to get more of those prebiotic foods into your gut, 
um, just to help overall kind of improve, um, you know, the gut health and ultimately help with your brain health. Um, and there are other things. So kind of on the other side of, so we said prebiotic, there's also, you know, probiotics, right? So when we say that, that kind of refers to the good bacteria that, like I said, is naturally found in our gut. Um, but there are ways to kind of consume those organisms to get them in our gut as well and kind of, you know, make sure we're getting those in case, you know, because everyone has different levels of different bacteria in their gut. So um, there are ways that you can kind of eat um, more foods that contain those good bacteria. So some of those things, as I'm sure a lot of people know, are things like fermented dairy products, right? So things like yogurt, that's a great source of those probiotics. Um, and then things like um, other fermented foods like sauerkraut, for example, which and a lot of these foods, you know, they might not occur as commonly in our diets, but but there are things that do have those bacteria. Um, so if you are curious, you know, you can go look more into the foods that do have those probiotics, um, because, again, when we eat foods that have them, they go into our gut and they kind of help to change and repopulate um, the intestinal bacteria we already have just to kind of balance out um, those organisms. And again, promote the good gut health that we all need to have. Um, so I know that was a lot of information, but those are kind of two main things that I think are really easy ways to improve our gut health. Um, and, you know, it could just take adding a few more different foods to your diet. So, so yeah, definitely exciting that there are things we can do to kind of help promote that good environment that we want. That's great. So what I'm what I'm taking away is less refined sugar, you know, so less obviously less cookies, less cakes, less maybe less packaged food, um, starches, um, things like that. And go ahead. Right. So so yeah, so I would say yeah, things that do have a lot of refined sugar, you know, you can have those things still maybe just mm -hmm. more so in moderation. Um, and starches, again, are okay to have too, um, because starches refer to, you know, anything from potatoes to rice to pasta. Um, so it is okay to have those, and we need those because those are great sources of carbs. But I would say, you know, especially talking about, you know, gut health and promoting that, maybe opting for, you know, ones that have higher amounts of whole grain in them, looking for those kinds of products as opposed to just normal white bread or white pasta, those kinds of things. I would say that that's um, definitely something to remember that you do need those foods, but there are healthier sources of them, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even going just into the grocery store. And I know that pasta is, you know, big, it's really affordable and and all of that. But there's so many varieties of pasta where you can get some that have extra fiber or extra protein or made of lentils or chickpea. You know, there's just there's right. a lot of variety there, too. Right. Yeah, there definitely are all kinds of different variations of all the foods we eat. And that just seems to be increasing as time goes on. Um, and again, you know, it, it's fine to part of a balanced diet is being able to have the foods you want, along with the foods that you need. Mm -hmm. So, you know, say you're only able to find normal pasta, go ahead and eat that. That's totally fine. Um, but then if you're also finding ways in your diet to kind of change around other things that you're doing, you know, maybe instead of, you know, if you're able to do whole grain bread or something like that, you know, it's all about balance. That's what I really like to emphasize is that, you know, we do know the things that we should be kind of doing and making sure we're incorporating into our diet, but, but it is all about balance. And so, you know, you can have a little bit of everything, just some things, you know, not as much of. So mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's helpful to think too about like, 
every choice you make is kind of prioritizing one thing over another. And sometimes the priority is just to like eat affordably or easily. And maybe that is more of a priority than having the most nutritious diet too. But I think it is really helpful to still just make informed choices at least about um, just the impacts of maybe some of the things that you're already doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know I'm happy to hear that um, the, about the benefits of probiotics, because I (laughs) have my yogurts like every day (laughs) and I was just like currently eating (laughs) and I'm a big fan of kombucha. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you're getting all the probiotics. You're doing great. So getting pro. Maybe I need some more pre's, but I feel good on the pros. (laughs) So I'm thinking back to something you said at the beginning, Susanna, about how food has always been a big part of your life. And I'm curious as to when you were cooking in the kitchen with your Mm -hmm. mom, what was what were some of the favorite things you enjoyed cooking with her? Oh man, there'd be a long list if I, we really had the time. <laughs> um, but I would say I have a ton of memories of cooking dishes that really weren't that fancy or that complicated. Um, things just like, you know, sometimes we would bake. I remember baking a lot of things like cakes and cookies and things like that. Um, which again, I know are not the healthiest, but you know, it's okay. Um, I have a lot of memories of doing a lot of, you know, her teaching me, you know, how to do certain techniques with cooking, you know, with baking, you know, there are certain things you can do to have a better product. And so she taught me a lot of those things. And then with cooking, um, I remember she, my mom was always really big into, um, you know, making sure that we were learning about having a balanced diet. So, you know, that could be where this with my passion from nutrition kind of stemmed from, um, Mm -hmm. you know, she taught me how to, you know, simple ways to prepare vegetables that I still follow to this day. Um, you know, ways to kind of just add together foods that you think would really go together, um, and kind of turn out with a dish that ends up being insanely good. Um, so there are so many things that she taught me to cook and I have memories of, but overall, I just remember, she had such a passion for food um, and for teaching other people that. And so I feel like now she really gave that to me. Um, and now I feel like I'm able to at least do that with other people um, in terms of teaching them nutrition and teaching them, you know, ways that they can, you know, start getting creative in the kitchen and using foods that they've never used before. So yeah, it's been cool to see how that's kind of played into my life for sure. That's beautiful. <laughs> Well, is, is there any other things that you feel like you'd really want students to take away um, after listening to this episode today? Mm, yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is kind of like what I said earlier in terms of, you know, brain health, gut health, but also overall just eating to promote health for your overall self, for your overall body. I think you know, I remember when I was in college, it was, it was really hard for me, you know, as I was learning about nutrition and learning about all the things I needed to be doing. I remember I put a ton of pressure on myself to make all of those changes at once, to do everything that I need to be doing all at once. And 
for a little bit of time when I started doing that, I, you know, the joy of food was kind of taken away for a little bit because when it becomes this thing that you're so trying to control to a T, um, you know, food, we eat to live. Food is something that needs to be fun. Food is something that should be a joyous experience. So if we have all these super, super tight controls on it, that, you know, that can kind of take that experience away. So what I really like to say, especially for college students and speaking to my younger self, um, you know, there are so many things, so many little steps that you can take to promote um, good health through what you eat. Um, you know, it shouldn't have to be this huge overall change at once because that's what gets overwhelming. That's what can kind of, you know, make you not want to continue to eat healthy because it seems too hard. But, you know, if you just take one thing in your diet and change it, just take that one little step. It may not seem like much, but that can make a difference um, in your nutritional status, in your overall health, and, you know, the chances of you developing a disease years down the road. Um, and so, you know, making these small little changes gradually I would say that's the biggest thing um, because again, college students have a lot going on, right? They, you know, are learning how to budget with a lower amount of money. They are learning to kind of start providing food for themselves and cooking for themselves, you know? And so, so it can be a lot. Um, but I would just say, you know, if you just start small, start by making a few changes that you know you, you can make and that work for you to make, then start with that. That's fine because you have time to continue to learn about nutrition. The more you learn, the more you can kind of you know, start making those changes and ultimately, you know, promote good nutrition and just overall improve your, your quality of life. So that's probably the biggest thing that I want people to take away from this, because if you are doing that, you know, you are promoting the brain health. So overall for people that are going through mental health challenges, if they do have depression, if they do have anxiety, um, food should still remain as a good experience, you know, for you, it should be something you enjoy. And I would say just being able to take those steps to promote your, your brain health, but also doing what you need to do to just have food um, be something that is a good experience um, and something that is positive for you. I would say that's, that's huge. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Susanna. It has been a pleasure talking with you. I've learned so much in this, mm -hmm. in this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me again. This was so fun. Um, and yeah, it was definitely a privilege to get to be on here. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for listening. You can find CWC Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Please leave us a rating and review us. Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash CWC Talks.